0: Okay, welcome back to Greg Beicher, President and CEO of Alaska Energy Metals, a nickel explorer advancing its Nikolai nickel project in Alaska. How are you? How was your day today, Greg? Doing great, doing great.
1: Thank you, Matthew.
0: Yeah, and thanks for coming back on the show. This will be a catch-up interview. Uh, We last chatted in October, late October, and and your company has certainly been busy, as promised, uh, since then. I mean, lots and lots of news releases since then. And I thought, just for today, I thought, Maybe just as a, as a brief catch up, we can kind of go over some headlines together. And then also I thought maybe more recently, I mean, you had a mineral resource estimate we can talk about, you know, you sold some information to Cobalt. We can talk about that. Uh, but I mean, you, you brought out some results from your above ground work at, at your CAN Milk uh, property, which kind of caught my eye, and I think it's caught a few people's eyes. And so I thought maybe we could end the conversation by maybe doing just a, like a mini deep dive into Canwell. But like I said, before we get there, though, maybe let's just let's just hit some headlines here. Right. Because I mean, when we last spoke, you you kind of called your shot. And I mean, this is part of the reason why I think Alaska Energy Metals, AMC, is a pretty compelling company. I mean, it's it's very data driven. You have a very large data suite historically, and that confirmation drilling, I mean, you you kind of said you can expect to see 0.32 nickel equivalent, uh, you know, time after time after time. And I mean, if you look through the news releases since then, I mean, October 30th, December 5th, I mean, there's just, a you know, every couple of weeks you guys came out and it almost looked like you were kind of copy pasting uh, your results. They were so consistent, right? I mean, I saw 356 meters of 0.34, 317 meters of 0.34. 210 at 0.32, 318 meters at 0.31. And so, and this is where, you know, it's easy for companies to say, we're going to go find this. It's a bit more of a trick to actually go out and find it. And so you called your shot, right? And so, I mean, I guess kudos to you, but maybe the question I have out of all this, I mean, in, in addition to any kind of color or conversation or comment you want to have on your results, but maybe, you know, on reflection now that you've actually kind of proven what you've got, was there any concern on your end that it might not turn out like it did? I mean, like I say, you have a strong data backing, but, you know, was there kind of a doubt in the back of your mind that maybe things might come up strange on you?
1: There there really wasn't, which is, you know, honestly quite unusual for a geologist to be able to say that. I mean, <laughs> uh, one thing about geologists is it's usually quite variable, but there was enough historical holes drilled uh, over a long enough area, it just seemed very apparent that the whole Eureka zone is very homogeneous. And yes, the eight holes we drilled over a 1.2 kilometer strike length came back Just like all the other holes that have been previously drilled into the zone. So, you know, I think big mining companies are going to love this. Uh, There's one thing they like is predictability and they like uh, large scale. And we're really starting to prove the scale at this point, but we've already proved that, that, yeah, it's very homogeneous. It's unusual for uh, Mm. a mineral deposit to be that evenly mineralized over such a broad area. But it's good because, you know, once we start to mine it, uh, if it's not us, uh, some big company, uh, they're going to have a very, very predictable ore body. They'll know every year. How much nickel is going to come out of the ground?
0: Yeah, which is critical for these huge bulk tonnage projects. You know, the, the, I've seen there's a couple of nickel mine closures now with sagging prices where the, their variable costs they just couldn't make a predictable estimate of what's going to happen. And so they had to you know, shutter their doors. I mean, I think that's a huge advantage. Uh, yeah, that, that, that low point nickel equivalent and just, uh, and, and they can say uniform across the board. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting project and yeah, very, very large. Why don't, I mean, I'm going to talk about cobalt in terms of a chrono, chrono, chronology here, but a chronographical sort of approach, but why don't we skip to the mineral resource estimate? November 20th, that comes out. Uh, you know, you've got 1.55 billion pounds of nickel You've got nickel equivalent two point one billion pounds of nickel equivalent. I mean, there's you know there's the numbers are, are large, right? I mean, you've got one point one point three five something like that million ounces of gold or sorry platinum, palladium, and gold, and so even if we apply the sixty percent recovery rate to the nickel, and then you have a a flat 50% across the board for the rest of those metals, there's still 1.1 billion pounds of recoverable nickel, right? And it's it's, it's big, right? It's large, and it's and as I kind of said, doing exactly what you thought it was. And so this is, again, the reasons why I think people should be paying attention to in the market is you're already at 1.5 billion pounds of nickel, 2.1 equivalent, like I said, 1.1 recoverable. Why don't you... Do you want to take a second again I and mean, feel free to, to 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 chat as you will about anything I just said, but what's next? I mean, do you want to call your shots? When's your next drill campaign and then, you know, the next resource size target? If we're at, you know, 2.1 equivalent now,
1: what's next? Right. So, yeah, you know, what we've announced so far is based strictly on historical drill hole information. Uh, we, we bought all that historical data. Some of the holes were closely enough space that we could reliably uh, calculate uh, a resource. In fact, two resources, separate deposits there, are about two kilometers apart. But uh, we haven't even factored in the drilling that we did last season. Uh, you know that we've got all our assay results now. We're crunching all those numbers. And in a few weeks, we're going to publish an update to the resource. And it'll be a very substantial increase. Uh, I'm thinking roughly it's going to double what we've got. Uh, So that's pretty good going for nine months of of work. And uh, uh, I think that uh, we can do even better next year, honestly. It's going to take some money, but uh, we think this deposit is worth being agra- aggressive. We're going to raise money. We're going to have a three or four drill rig program, uh, probably drill fifteen, sixteen thousand 16,000 meters, uh, and we'll really block out some more. And it's the same situation. We're almost sure that the nickel's there because there's enough uh, wide space drilling all of which comes back with very similar, uh, similarly thick intersections, several hundred meters thick with the same grade. So uh, I anticipate um, that we would have a possible mineral deposit uh, somewhere in the six to seven billion pound range. Hmm. Not to mention the other metals you, you do know that it's uh, got accessory levels of, of copper and cobalt and uh, uh, platinum and palladium uh, iron and, and chrome so those can all be added into the value uh, and you're right on the money with recoveries we you know that's going to be a big part of the equation uh, th- that is the gross metal that we're reporting. Uh, but we're not going to get all that metal. We're doing those bench scale testing right now to figure out, uh, at least the first pass, what, what's reasonable for recovery figures.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you have any notion of when we might see any information from, from your network?
1: Yeah, uh, we should have in fairly short order, within a few weeks, I think, the uh, what we call the deportment studies, uh, what minerals uh, the metals are in. So, for example, we've done some of that work already, and we know that uh, the nickel is primarily in the mineral form of uh, pentlandite. That's nickel sulfide. is very common, the most common nickel sulfide, and it's readily recoverable by standard uh, flotation methods. And a little bit of the nickel is in uh, a native nickel iron alloy, which is also good because uh, it's magnetic and readily separated from uh, the, the waste uh, rock. So, uh, um, this is sort of confirmatory depart, department work that'll come out within a few weeks. Uh, it's using the recently drilled holes. So it's nice, fresh rock, uh, good samples. And that's the first step. And then from there, uh, we do the bench scale flotation testing where we we see, OK, well, how much of uh, the nickel and the other metals actually comes out into a metal concentrate? and you know, I don't really anticipate the first pass results to be that good. Um, you know, it, it takes a lot of time to work with the specific mineralogy, optimize the process to get the best possible recovery. Mm. Um, but everybody's got to start at this point. And so it'll be May when that uh, results likely come out. Okay.
0: And so, you know, again, kind of just looking forward here as a mini preview, as you mentioned, you have assays outstanding that will go into a mineral resource estimate and not updated one next, you know, a few weeks or a month or two. Uh, when can we expect the, the drill to start drills, like you say, three to four to start
1: turning again? Yeah, uh, early June is a typical timeframe. Uh, uh, you know, you, uh, you, we drill from June and, until uh, October and uh, you can try to stretch the season, but. It usually ends up costing a lot of money and problems. uh, uh, At this stage of an exploration project, it's best just to stick to the summer months. Uh, Once we're truly delineating an ore body, we can, and we've got full road access uh, established. Then, uh, yeah, then we're, uh, we're we can drill year round if we want.
0: But yeah, still news filled in the meantime, right? Five months till then, but still lots of information to come for you guys. A couple more kind of grab bag, like I say, kind of headline style stuff. Uh, Mark Bagich appointed to your board of directors, normally board appointments, I'd say, you know, doesn't warrant a lot of chatter from from retail investors. But this one, you know, I looked into it, I thought it stands out as significant. Do you want to discuss, introduce us to Baggage, people who aren't maybe familiar with Alaskan politics, His history, and I mean, obviously, you can kind of infer what kind of doors that might help open for AEMC, but you just want to discuss Mark's introduction to
1: the company? Sure. I I was very pleased when Mark Begich uh, joined our our board. I've known him for a long time. I mean, that's one of the great things uh, about Living in a state that only has 700,000 people in it, Uh, you can get to know your politicians if you want to, and uh, and I do, Uh, and I did. I did get to meet Mark uh, when first when he was mayor of Anchorage, and then later uh, when he became uh, one of our senators, Uh, and uh, he's been a great champion of resource development projects uh, over his political career, Um, and you know, at times uh, development projects are controversial, but I always appreciated how Mark could uh, walk uh, right down the center line and see both sides, uh, but ultimately get uh, get uh, the value unlocked for Alaska's citizens. And so he's really dialed in on, on uh, public policy uh, in Alaska and the effect the, the policies that our federal government has on Alaska. So I'm really for, looking forward to the advice and direction that he can provide to me as I'm guiding. Uh, the company uh, as it grows, and, and uh, we move this deposit further down the road to where it's, it's here as well, to the point where we're starting to build a mine. We're, we're still several years away from proposing to build a mine and starting that permitting process, but, um, you know, uh, community and government relations is a big part of our job, and uh, uh, he will provide me with very good uh, advice and guidance, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That level of, that sort of expertise that you do would love to have plugged into your company right on the board level. Uh, another one here, Cobalt, right? This is an interesting one for people that don't know Cobalt is a really interesting company. I mean, really smart people cutting edge stuff and the kind of a private a private company that works mining and, and development um you sold part of your data data package for them for their scoli project what i find interesting is that you, you know this eureka project that you guys have there's a bit a little bit of a rush i mean i know there's a couple of small aussie companies that are, are working on some uh, on some land that they've got and cobalt to the north now you sold some of your data package you know not really the amount of money that's going to worry two people too much but you know it's still nice to see interest and, and get some money back but you How collaborative, or you know, how how much of a conversation or collaborative is your is your relationship with Cobalt so far? Because they are obviously a large company in the space, and is there a potential for a deepening of that relationship moving forward? And what just want to speak to that?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, Yeah, so it's interesting to to have Cobalt uh, as a neighbor, and and for your listeners that don't know them. Uh, They're they're an interesting company in that, uh, yeah, a a bright group of geologists, uh, some of whom I've worked for previously at ENCO and and other places. uh, But they started their private company uh, just a few years ago with, uh, and it started with a bang. I mean, they they came uh, out of the chute with $200 million. That's almost unheard of for a pure exploration company, but the biggest investors were Bill Gates and, and Jeff Bezos. And uh, the idea was that this uh, superior technical group would use artificial intelligence uh, to examine the entire world uh, for the best places to look for nickel and cobalt. And I think the reasons uh, Gates and Bezos uh, were involved was that the uh, I think they know that uh, nickel and cobalt will be the choke point metals for an electrical energy transition, Uh, whether it's uh, batteries in electric vehicles or giant uh, grid scale, uh, long-term energy storage solutions. um, uh, Those metals are going to be the choke point. And uh, so much of those metals are controlled uh, by non-free trade countries, some of which don't even like uh, the United States too much. So I think they recognize those metals as, as key. And so search the whole world and uh, they've picked a few spots to explore, but uh, one of them is right beside us uh, in Alaska. Um, and I'm sure they would like to have our claims, which we uh, acquired uh, uh, you know, maybe uh, six or eight months before they, they came along. Uh, But it is a good relationship. We're in uh, regular uh, contact with them. Uh, We see each other in the field from... Time to time, uh, they're actively working on their project last summer too. And uh, yeah, who knows where the relationship will go, but it's a, an amicable uh, relationship. I wish them really good luck. Uh, uh, and I know they've wished us luck uh, too. Um, it is a bit of an area of play at this point. There's three different companies actively exploring. And if any one of us has success, well, uh, it'll rub off on the others as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Cobalt One—that's one too. Not not within the, within the maybe not the the confines of this conversation, but yeah, very interesting and worth a deep dive for people that are looking to to learn more about the space. So why don't we transition? So when I kind of was crafting this interview, I I kind of wanted to focus on your Canwell property, right? So Eureka, we know it; it's well known, right? As you've said, lots of historical work, very high high confidence data. Canwell, a little bit to the, a little bit to the east, a little bit to the north. There from you guys is kind of your, as we talked previously, your potential sort of high grade starter zone, right? If you can have, make a successful high grade discovery there, that just you know it, it juices your economics. You know, strap on a few, you know, a decade or whatever you want to say of of of, of economics there, and it changes things materially because it is that high grade zone. So you came out recently, uh, and you've identified from your initial kind of prospects, your initials. Uh, you've identified your Canwell, Odie, and Emmerich prospects. And I and Greg, you've got a you've got some visuals here. Do we want to try to bring those up, and maybe we can just can uh, can we yeah, help those create yeah, sure the can. conversation?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you know, Nikolai Project, but there's two parts to it: the Eureka claim block with the Eureka zone, this large bulk tonnage disseminated nickel sulfide uh, zone, but we also have the Canwell block of claims. And I was really glad to get this one as well. You can see it's a steeper country uh, there than the Eureka zone. Eureka zone's nice and uh, uh, relatively flat rolling hills in front of the Alaska range mountains. Canwell's getting up in the mountains a bit. You can see the long tongues of uh, glaciers, Uh, and the white-capped snow peaks, uh, snowy mountain peaks. But uh, it's actually pretty accessible. You can see the highway passes right by the claim block, uh, paved uh, highway. And then there's trails uh, that that lead off covering this block of claims. And I I did explore here uh, with Inco back in the 90s as well. But at the time, it was tough to get... Um, uh, claim blocks. Uh, there was competition. Uh, other explorers were there. Uh, so it was hard to get a large cohesive block like I've got now. And of course, the other interesting thing is these glaciers and snowpack has melted back. Quite a bit in the 30 years, uh, and so there's new exposures of rock uh, popping out all the time, and uh, yeah, found a brand new copper occurrence uh, uh, this past summer. But we, but we also uh, did a lot of geophysical surveying across the whole claim block, uh, and uh, put all the prior information in a really comprehensive database, uh, and. Uh, You know, there's some fantastic uh, drill targets uh, popping popping out of uh, what we've found there.
0: So uh, I've got uh, kind of got a few questions that I, I want to pursue here. I mean, I mean, I guess initially, and I do want to do, I kind of warned you, I was hoping for a little bit of a geophysical kind of lesson here, but uh, so history, you know, this is a classic example. Modern exploration is, you know, you're, you're going deeper than before, right? So how deep was historical exploration? Like you say, you, you, you yourself were on this line in the 90s of Inco. How deep w- w- is, has this land been historically explored?
1: Yeah. So, um, as you know, there's lots of different types of geophysical surveys. Anything uh, like geologists use all kinds of different tools, whether they're sensors on satellites, uh, sensors on uh, helicopters, or or uh, airplanes, uh, or sensors that are carried over the ground by people. There's lots of ways to collect geophysical information to image uh, below the surface of the Earth. Uh, And uh, really the only geophysical surveys that had been done here um, on part of the area was an airborne geophysical survey back in uh, the early 90s. It was a good survey. We're using the data still, but uh, we're using some much more modern uh, geophysics as well. Uh, and um, it, it's really worked out. Uh, that's what it needed. Uh, and we we told everyone we picked the project up. Look, we're we're going to do it right here, uh, because the prior workers, you know, really didn't do it right. Uh, it just uh, honestly, it seems so easy because there's some really high-grade nickel sticking right out of the ground. Each one of those uh, yellow stars is a place where you can find nickel laying right on surface. And some of the uh, surface samples had absolutely spectacular uh, grades, uh, concentration of metals, uh, uh, you know, uh, not just in nickel and copper, but in platinum and palladium and even the more rare Uh, platinum group elements like rhodium, iridium, osmium, uh, you know, metals that uh, are extremely highly priced. So super valuable uh, um, metal if we can find a big enough deposit of it. Um, But as you alluded to, even if we found a small deposit uh, with those kinds of metal concentrations, it could really help the economics of the larger bulk ton of Jerica zone because a uh, high grade can pay back early in the mining process. If you can get that capital cost of your build paid back uh, in a year or two, that sure makes a huge difference in the overall economics of a mining project. So we're keen to find that high grade, um, you know, the the original notion for me to start exploring here back in the 90s when Enco assigned me to come here was that there could be high-grade massive sulfides like at Norilsk in Siberia. Uh, there's geologic parallels certainly and I'm not giving up on finding that high-grade uh, massive sulfide. So we've done all the right uh, geophysical work to help fine-tune our drill targeting to see deeper into the earth and uh, I'm sure looking forward to drilling those holes next year. So you're looking at a map here right now. The contour lines are the mountains. Uh, you can see the Canwell Glacier uh, here. So it's pretty steep country. It's, it's, it's flatter down here near the Emmerich Prospect, but gets steeper up here towards Odie and and Canwell, but you know here this Odie prospect is a great example. Back in the '90s, we we found uh, uh, nickel right at surface. Uh, we drilled a short little hole into it, thinking, "Oh yeah, it's it's easy. We'll just drill underneath this surface showing and find more nickel." Well, it wasn't that easy. We did intersect nickel, but but now I, I go back and, and look at uh, uh, some of the uh, geophysical uh responses so what i was describing is here we found nickel right in service here in the 90s drilled this short little hole um and we got some nickel, especially right at the bottom, which correlates right well with that yellow area. But uh, we didn't have benefit of, of this geophysical survey. This is just from last summer. And now you can see the uh, this uh, uh, conductive zone here, the bright red and magenta colors uh, tell us that uh, the rocks uh, have very low resistivity or really very high conductivity And uh, then you can see here the crossover in the electromagnetic components. And so that tells us uh, that's one great thing about nickel sulfide. It's quite conductive uh, and it's quite magnetic also. So we've got a strong magnetic response. We've got a strong conductor uh, sensed by geophysics uh, and we've got nickel uh, exposed on surface and we've got nickel in a drill hole, um, uh, you know, that was around a half a percent over 12 meters in that little yellow uh, area. But, uh, you know, this is uh, where we should be by the looks of it. And I can't wait to uh, drill that hole this summer. If we pull out, uh, you know, 30 or 40 meters of massive uh, nickel plus copper sulfide uh, enriched strongly in platinum group elements, uh, you can just imagine what that'll do to our stock price.
0: Mm-hmm. And of course, yeah, like you say, it changes the entire metrics of this whole of this whole project yeah. as well. Uh, and so, I mean, I think this Geophys, I always find so funny, I mean, I, like I'm referencing here the CEO dossier, there was some confusion and people are always, I think sometimes of course, it gets much more complicated, but the basics of a lot of geophysics is actually pretty simple, right? I mean, it's, is it conductive? Does it hold, hold the charge, right? The nice thing, like you say about nickel, is that's a, it's a fairly simple way to go about things. Like I said, I'm, I'm sure I'm not giving it enough credit in terms of the complexity it can get to, but the, the fundamentals, oh. kind of high school science, right? Uh, and so, yeah, we talked about geophysics. Why don't I mean? You, you just touched on it. You, will we see drilling a can well then in 2020, 2024?
1: Yeah, uh, this is what we'd like to do right here. This is a proposed uh, a series of drill holes, these black lines. So for each of those prospects, uh, you know, we're, we're going to drill holes and not just dinky little ones like this. Uh, that's only a 60 or 70-meter hole. Uh, we're going to do it right, uh, Six or 700-meter holes, get the whole stratigraphy, and hopefully, uh, yeah, this, uh, this uh, nice-looking geophysical response is a uh, uh, the, the uh, semi-massive to massive sulfide with great grade.
0: The joy of being in the big city there, eh? I can hear your, some are yep. in the background, eh? Uh, so maybe the question, you know, again, I know this is going to be very, very, uh, very preliminary, but do you have a sense, uh, holes and meterage that we might see on Canwell for 2024?
1: Yeah, it'll be three to 4,000 meters, something like that, five or six holes. It'll be a good start.
0: Yeah, no, good enough, right? And I mean, yeah, that's I mean, it's very strong. I mean, this is based on very strong surface results, right? Five percent nickel, five percent copper. I mean, there, there's a there's a chart there that just shows. I mean, very very strong anomalous in, in terms of a lot of different kind of polymetallic approach, right? So, uh, it's one that I'm certainly interested in, right? A, a very, a, a, like you say, it would. Certainly, uh, re-rate uh, the the potential, and uh, like you say, the stock price of of, of AEMC. Uh, I think we'll keep it short and sweet here, Greg. I think twenty seven minutes is, is a short interview for me. Uh, do you have any anything that you wanted to talk about, maybe that while well, I've got you here that uh, that I didn't touch on? No,
1: nope. uh, just uh, entering into a really exciting time. You know, the macro backdrop is, is great. Uh, the more and more predictions of how much uh, metal is going to be consumed. Uh, I think the United States in particular is uh, in a vulnerable position right now. It's starting to realize that it's given up uh, so much of its supply chains mm-hmm. and that there is potential for disruptions uh, and uh, they've got to have their own metal their own secure domestic supply and and uh, and you know well we, we've got it here uh, we've already shown we've got a fair bit uh, I think uh, with an aggressive drill program this year we're going to have a lot more and uh, for those uh, that are investing now uh, when nickel price is still soft uh, that that means uh, you know that there's more torque there and uh, when we uh, uh, continue to delineate this deposit, and if we layer on uh, a high-grade discovery at the same time, uh, you know the returns could be great for shareholders.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's a great contrarian space, like you said, for for all the long-reaching reasons into the future why nickel has so much behind it. Now we're in a soft spot in pricing. This is where you, this is where you make your money as a contrarian. I would be remiss. Sorry, I was going to ask you this about you're in Vancouver, right? Metal Investors Forum. Greg and V-Rick, do you want to talk about uh, maybe what booth you're at or when we might see you talk
1: or anything like that? So just for people that are listening can can maybe come try to find you. Yep. Um, Yeah, it's uh, conference season. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to get out and and tell our story. uh, uh, You know, we are putting uh, a pretty aggressive effort into marketing the company market, awareness, make sure uh, potential investors know about us uh, trying to appeal to uh, a younger audience. I think, you know, uh, millennium, millennial investors, they have a lot of different uh, speculative investments uh, that they can make. When I was their age, uh, mining was it. It was the only way you could uh, make an investment and and hope for, maybe even expect uh, if everything worked out that you could make five, ten or ten times your money. But uh, I think the younger generation is realizing uh, that uh, a lot of it comes back to the raw materials and that there is a lot of money to be made in speculative investments in, in exploration and early stage mine development companies. And so I'm trying to appeal to that audience too and yeah, I think uh, we're getting a good response.
0: No, excellent. Uh, yeah, I think you, you, you've you got a story worth telling. So I'll, I'll say that for sure. And uh, I'll be out there. And so if I find you, Virick, I'll come find you, shake your hand. Otherwise, Greg, thank you for your time. And, and I'll talk to you again soon.
1: Great, Matt. See you soon. Bye. Have a good day. Cheers.